I was just curious this morning, how many of you men get excited about washing dishes and put them up? Would you raise your hand? Okay, only one man who knows that he'd be in trouble. How about how many of you men love hanging up clothes after they've been washed and dried? Same man. Y'all stay away from him, he lies a lot. (laughs) I say that to say that guess what? One of my least favorite things to do at our house is to hang up clothes. Now, my wife is a very efficient person, a multitasker, and she is very good at keeping all of our house nice and clean and neat. And I have heard people say the old expression, you can eat off of her floor. And uh, she is one who always keeps our clothes clean. Matter of fact, I know that when we go on vacation anywhere, even if it's for a couple of days, every stitch of clothing in our house is going to be clean because Joyce makes sure they're all washed And she is so on top of that that sometimes we'll get up in the morning to go to the gym and she's gone to put on her clothes to work out with. And here she comes with a wad of dirty clothes out of the the basket in the closet and takes them and puts them in the washing machine. We go work out, come back, and then we're getting ready for her work. And then she goes and she's getting them out of the washer and putting them in the dryer. And then she may have something that evening and she comes in, grabs them out of the dryer and lays them out so they're not all in a wrinkled mess and occasionally, in that hurriness and her multitasking, they'll be laying there and I'm thinking, ah, clothes need to be hung up. I hate hanging up clothes. <laughs> but occasionally, this motivation will hit me. My wife said it needs to hit me more often. This motivation of I love my wife and I don't want her to have to. I know if I hate hanging up clothes, she hates hanging them up. And so I'll... I'll hang them up. After this message, she'll say, you know how you said you're motivated by love? We need a little more motivation around here. Same thing with dirty dishes. The other night, it was time to go to bed, and the dishes were dirty, and I didn't want her to have to wash them. And so I was motivated by love to wash those dishes. And she told me, she said, I appreciate you washing those dishes. I said, you're welcome. But in case you didn't notice, I was the one that dirtied up most of them. (laughs) That was my other motivation. Love motivates us to do things that we may not like to do and sometimes we don't want to do and sometimes it will motivate us to do things that in other situations other than being motivated by love, we would just not do it. Love is an action word. If you look up love in the dictionary, it will give you a noun for love. That's kind of like... Many people would say about our church that it's a loving church and they may say, I just feel the love here. It's a noun. It's what I am expressing of what's going on. But then you look in the dictionary and it also addresses a verb, which means love is action. The action expression would be that, oh, how I loved him like a brother. It's the feelings and the what was going on. And you know, you can many times you can tell somebody that you love them, but if there's no action behind it, it doesn't carry much meaning, does it? I have seen people in all different situations say that they love. Matter of fact, even in Christianity in the church. I remember one person who used to say this a lot, say, I just love the Lord, but they never did anything for the Lord. I'm thinking, I'm getting a little mixed. You say it with your words, but I'm not seeing it by your actions. And that's because that we, by nature, we associate that if there's going to be some love, there's going to be some action. Love is an action word. 
And in the scriptures that we're looking at today, we see that the Lord tells us that if we love Him, there'll be some action out of our lives. Because the Lord Himself, Jesus, that He acted out of love for God the Father. And so by His own example. And as we look at these scriptures in John chapter 14 and verse 15, and you can flip there in your Bible, or if you got the church app, you can open it up and it'll pop up there. <coughs> but in John chapter 14 and Verse 15, the Lord, these words are written in red, so it's the Lord speaking himself, and he's telling us that there's a condition of our love. Apparently, the Lord was the same way, and that is, if we're going to say that we love him, then there should be some action that comes along with that. And he's basing that not by only by his own personal feelings, by his own personal actions, because if you listen and read with me, you'll see that the Lord tells us that his actions were motivated by his love for God the Father. And so as we read this, the Lord is telling us that if we love him, that we'll keep his commandments. Just like he loved God the Father. And that's what motivated him to obey him and to follow what was desired of him. And he tells us that if that is seen in our life, then that love will be evident. So let's look at this this morning in John chapter 14 and beginning in verse 15. And then we're going to kind of skip down a little further, so listen carefully. I'm reading this out of the New King James because in the New King James in this particular scriptures kind of gives a little ump to it. But it says this, if you love me, keep my commandments. Then I want you to look down to verse 21. It says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. So the Lord said, if you're, if you're keeping my commandments, that is action that I can see that is telling me that you love me. And what is the Lord talking about when he says, if you keep my commandments? If he sees us living according to his word, according to his will for our life, if we're actively serving the Lord and we're keeping his commandments, he says that tells him that we love him. So verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So Jesus is telling us there's, there's kind of this love connection, you might say. That Jesus loves God the Father, and if we love Jesus, then we're going to be obedient to him, just like Jesus was obedient to the Father. And Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I'll manifest myself to you, and God the Father is going to love you because he loves me, and I love him, and you love me, and he's going to love you. Repeat that three times real fast. A lot of love going on. Verse 22 says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So he clarifies this keeping commandments. And my Father will love him. There's that love connection. And we will come to him and make our home with him. And then notice this. He gives us a flip-flop on it. He says, He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So the Lord says, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. There's going to be this love connection. But if you're not keeping my commandments, let's just make it clear you don't really love me. You can say it all day, every day. But if you're not obeying me, if you're not following my word, if you're not living out my will in your life, then you don't really love me. And remember when the Lord said love... In the Greek language, there were three words. There was a word that was a phileo love. 
It is a brotherly love. You know, I love my brother cowboy. We love each other. Brotherly love. Friendship love. There's the eros, which is a romantic love. But the Lord used the word agape or agape, which means a love by choice that is unconditional, that is unbreakable. And so the Lord says, if you love me with this agape love that is unconditional, that is by choice, that is unbreakable like I love you, he said, then you'll keep my commandments. I want you to look over to verse 28 with me, and we're going to read that through the end of the chapter. It says, you have heard me to say I am going away and coming back to you if you love me. And it's just like he can't get off this love thing, can he? He said, if you love me. You would rejoice because I said I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. He's talking about Satan. Satan has no influence in him. He has no impact in him. Verse 31 says, But that the world may know that I love the Father... Listen very carefully. Jesus said, so that everybody in the world, not just Christians, not only those who have accepted me, but so that everybody, everybody in the world knows that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commands, so I do. He said, here's how I express to the world that I love God the Father. I do what He asked me to do. And that just tells everybody that I love Him. And then he makes this statement in the New King James. He says, arise, let us go from here. I love that expression. After the Lord has just put this love connection expression to everybody that's listened to him, all his followers there, he says, let's arise and let's go from here. It's a good word to kind of end even when we come to the end of our service, and that is, let's arise and let's go from this moment of understanding what love really is for God, and let's go from here. Meaning, let's, let's spread the love. Let's act out the love in our life. Now, if Jesus here is telling us that, that His love is manifested by the reality that He does what God the Father has commanded Him, what do we see about Jesus' love or His motivation by love? What is He motivated by love to do? As I look through the Scriptures, I believe that there's one thing that is clearly evident by Jesus' life, that He loved God the Father and He was motivated by love, and that is Jesus' love for God motivated Him to not sin. Jesus' love for God the Father was so great that it motivated Him not to sin as He walked on this earth as a human being. Now, we could say, okay, Brett, that Jesus is God in the flesh, and so... You know, that's not saying a big deal. If you think it's not a big deal, then if you were to look at Hebrews chapter 4 in the last few verses there, it identifies Jesus as a great high priest expression. He is our go-between us and God the Father. And he says that in that, in Hebrews chapter 4, at the end of those verses, he says that we don't have a high priest like some are, but he's sympathetic with us because, and here's what it says in verse 15 of Hebrews 4, that he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. You know what the Bible is saying? That every temptation or feeling or emotion that we have that would tempt us to sin, Jesus felt that in his human body and his human emotions. 
but yet he did not sin. And you know why he did not sin? He was motivated by his love for God the Father. And we look at that and we say, okay, well, Jesus did that. He was motivated by his love for God the Father, and so he didn't sin. But I still think that, you know, that's, we can't really grab hold of that. So I looked at the Old Testament, a man named Joseph, a teenager actually. His brothers were jealous of him. They sold him into slavery, and he was sold to Potiphar, who was one of the military leaders in the Egyptian military force. And Joseph was put because of him showing integrity and also was prosperous in the things he did. Potiphar put him in charge of his household. Potiphar apparently had a wife that was very lustful towards Joseph and wanted to have a sexual relationship with him. And so she began to make all these temptations towards Joseph. And even manipulated things so that Joseph one day would come into the house. None of the other servants would be there. And she would grab him and say, come lie with me. And he said these words. He said, my master has put everything in charge of my hands except for you. But he made this statement. He said, but how can I sin against my God? He was concerned about how he stood with his master, but he was mostly concerned about his heavenly master. And he said, how can I sin against him? What was it that motivated Joseph to say that? He had a greater love than his lust. You know why a lot of people fall into lust outside of marriage relationships? It's because they don't have a greater love for God than they do for their lust for someone else. The lust of fulfilling their own personal desires. And so I look at Jesus' example and his love for God motivated him to not sin. And we have to ask this question to ourselves. Is our love motivating us to sin less? Now, we won't be perfect like Jesus and never sin. Because the Bible tells us in 1 John, it says if we say that we do not sin, we are a liar would make God a liar. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Now, that's what John said. He said, basically, don't, don't tell me you never sin because you're lying. Everybody stumbles and makes a mistake. But I want you to listen to that same John who said that, what he said in 1 John 3, 9. Listen to this. Same man who said, hey, don't tell me you don't sin because we all sin. But if you do sin, then ask for forgiveness and he'll be faithful and just to forgive you. Now that first, same John in, in 1 John 3, 9, he said, Who ha, Whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. You read that and you say, wait a minute, he said that we all have sinned. But here he says, if you've been born of God, you cannot sin. I want to read this also in the NIV translation because it takes the original Greek grammar and puts it into something that really expresses the verse more clearly. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him, God's spirit. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. What the scripture is telling us in the original writing is that if you're a child of God and you've been born and God's spirit lives in you, you cannot live in a habitual state of sin. You know why? Because the Bible tells us that God's spirit convicts us of sin. and Therefore, we, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is going to convict you and me. 
so heavily that we can't stand that. We cannot habitually live in sin. So the Bible is not telling us that that you will never sin once you become a Christian. You will sin and you'll stumble and you'll make mistakes, but you won't desire to continue that. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, can I leave here with a love in my heart that motivates me not to never sin, because we know it, but we're not going to make an excuse for it. I'm going to leave here motivated by love to sin less. So it's not like we're going to say, okay, you know, yesterday, uh, here, according to my list of sins I committed, I committed 213. So today I'm going to do 212. That's not what living sin less is. It's a motivation by love that says, I don't want any sins on this list. And therefore, when I mess up and I make a mistake and I fall short of God's grace and His mercy and His love and I don't follow His word, I'm going to ask Him to forgive me and I'm going to ask Him to give me strength not to sin again. Will you probably commit some other sin? Yeah, but you're not going to habitually continue to live in that sin because of the conviction. So ask yourself the question, is your love... For God motivating you to sin less. Because that's what John says should be true in our life. Not only did I see that Jesus' love for God motivated him to not sin, but also Jesus' love for God motivated him to serve. Here's what the Bible tells us. and I'm going to read this to you in Matthew uh, chapter 20 and verse 28. And this is Jesus speaking himself. He said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served. (laughs) And you read that and you think, whoa, wow. Jesus is saying that he didn't come to the earth for us to serve him, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, my motivation to come to earth was not that you would bow down to me and that you would serve me and wash my feet. and, And all those things are great. But my motivation to come here was my motivation for God to serve Him and to come as a ransom so that you might have for forgiveness of your sins and that God the Father might receive you back in a right relationship with Him. So Jesus' motivation of His love for God motivated Him to serve. And we have to ask the question about ourselves, and that is, is our love motivating us to serve more because in Psalms 102 it says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. The Bible is telling us that serving the Lord for the Christian should be something that is joy from our heart. It is gladness. Now I told you I don't, I don't like to hang up clothes. I don't really like to wash dishes. But you know what? When I have been motivated to step into that and to hang up those clothes and wash those dishes. When I've done it, I step back and I go, my wife's going to love me. And then she comes in and she says, about time you hung those clothes up. No, she, she don't do that. Love, what I say is that when we serve and we've given our best and we've been motivated to go beyond what we might want to do, We feel good about ourselves. That expression of love makes us feel good about ourselves. This morning, as 
We had uh, men's breakfast this morning, and so I always pray about an hour before I come to church. So I got up earlier than normal this morning, and I, uh, usually when we have men's breakfast, I try to iron my clothes the night before so I'm ready, and I did not do that last night. And, and uh, so this morning I got my clothes out, and Joyce got them, and she said, I'll iron those for you. I said, you don't have to do that. She said, no, I'll do it. You go ahead and get ready. And so she ironed them and brought them, and I, I told her how much I loved her and appreciated that. And I could tell it said love to her. I love you. When we serve God, it says love to him. Serve the Lord with gladness. It's not a burden to serve God. It's a blessing to serve God. What is your motivation in serving? Is it a motivation because you feel guilty? Is it a motivation because maybe you hadn't seen somebody else taking care of the situation? Or is it just that you're motivated by your love for God? And for some of you, maybe it's just now starting to sink in about what this love is. Jesus' love for God also motivated him to give sacrificially. In that verse that I just read, it said that he not only came to serve, but to give his life as a ransom for many. I also want to read this to you in John 15, 13. It says, greater love has no one than this. And this is written in red, so Jesus is saying it himself. It says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And then he said, you are my friends, if you do what I command. Even though the Lord is expressing there that his greatest love was expressed in giving his life and giving sacrificially, the Lord said, you are my friends. If you keep my commandments. The Lord continues to throw in there and weave in there. He's not making it harsh or hard. He's just saying it's a fact. That these things are going to occur because we are motivated by our love for God. And if we're not doing them, if we're not trying to live a life with less sin and serving more and giving sacrificially, the reality is there's something missing in our love relationship with God. And if you're not doing those things in your life, most likely you're not praying on a regular basis. You're not reading His Word on a regular basis because that's what builds that intimate relationship, spending time with Him. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it said, God loves a cheerful giver. And sometimes I think in our mind we think giving cheerfully means that, well, it's It's just a feel-good thing. But giving cheerfully means that even when it's a stretch, even when it's a strain, whether it's giving physically or time or financially, whatever it may be, we still have a cheerful heart. We're giving out of love. Joyce and I, we were eating early for our Valentine's Day and we we went into a store and saw they had a, a deal on certain things that would be good for some of our grandkids. And so we bought a couple of things. And then we thought, you know, well, we need to buy this one something too. And then we need to buy this one. And, and we ended up with buying something for everybody. You know why? Our love was motivating us to not just stop with one or two, even though the sale was appropriate for one or two of them, but it was to keep going and going and going. Giving cheerfully 
means you just feel good about it. And when we left with that bag with something for everybody in it, I felt a lot better than if we'd walked up the counter for just one or two. Giving cheerfully. Let me ask you this morning, what is your love for God motivating you to do or not do? And could we just leave here today motivated by love to do what Jesus said at the end of John chapter 14? Let's arise and let us go from here with love. Lord, we come to you today thanking you for your love for us. And Lord, everything may not be the easiest, but Lord, it's evident in what we experience in our own lives that love may be in the dictionary as a noun and it may also be in there as a verb, but the way that we really know love is, is action. Seeing some action. We can say words, but we need to see some evidence of what's behind it. And Lord, you clearly expressed in various places in the Scripture that if we really love you, there's going to be some action behind it. Not just words, but action. And Lord, you said that everything you did was out of your love for God the Father. And as I looked through it, your whole life was based on living a life with no sin, serving others, and giving sacrificially. That's all that you did when you walked on this earth. The temptations came. You know how that they feel just like we experienced them, but you didn't sin. And you know how that we feel, so you have sympathy for us. And Lord, you said clearly that you came not to be served, but to serve, to serve God the Father and to pour your life into other people's lives, to teach them and to train them and to heal them and give love. It was serving. And Lord, you said that you came to give your life as a ransom for many, that is giving sacrificially. Lord, I pray, God, that, that we will arise and go from here. Go from where? Here. That we uh, understand that love motivates us. And we got to ask ourselves the question, do we really love you? Are we motivated to sin less, to serve more, and to give sacrificially? Because that's what your life was all about. And you said we could look at your life, and you did what you did because you loved God the Father, and He loved you. And if we love you, God's going to love us too. So God motivate us to arise and go from here with a greater love for you. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.